had a word of knowledge and prayed over them. And she said that afternoon that an upgrade was coming, she said that afternoon the provision was made. And not only provision made, somebody came forward and said he wanted to pay for the amount. But it doesn't just do that. Because they are going to pay the amount of money, it gives them the entirety of the park. And so they can do bigger things. And this person who came forward said he wanted to pay for it. He's a business owner. He has equipment and things they're going to be able to do. So they got upgraded. So just let you know that we were were just talking about how important it is to be a part of a spirit-led church where the gifts of the spirit are in operation. And that that, Dennis didn't know anything about it. He wasn't here when... Right. Right. And see, that was all moving. I know. And he didn't know anything about it. Yeah. So we serve a supernatural God. And sometimes your obstacles are stepping stones to a higher opportunity. And you, it just depends on how you frame them and how you look at them with regard to what, the, do they demolish you or do they advance you and so many times people are demolished at their obstacles now we know the right answer no I'm not demolished by my obstacles but the fact that you've not advanced into the places beyond your obstacle and you keep seeing the the same obstacle keeps reoccurring in your life it's a different one sort of it's a different in a different place in your future. It looks a little bit different. Maybe different faces and names around it. Maybe it has some different. But it's essentially, if you step back from that obstacle, you would say, you know, this is exactly the same thing I have faced seven thousand other times. See, you're you just keep going around it because the thing is, is that it's an obstacle that's demolishing you. Because you have the same programmed response to it every single time. You don't stand against it and use the word with regard to the obstacle and see it as a leveraging position for you to step to a new level. And so, see, that's what I'm talking. We're going to be talking. This goes great with what we're talking about. We're talking about... Um, our body, soul, and spirit, spirit, soul, and body, and the mind of Christ in us, and how we actually begin to see the victory in our lives that the Word of God gives us. Your life will not be conflict-free. It will not be temptation-free. It will not be controversy-free. You will not have a life that, ha- that is without battles and obstacles. I know, it's, it's crazy, right? But it's how you respond to it that matters. See, it's how you respond when the, when, when the thing happens that's happened before. What, whatever that thing is going on right now in your life, how have you always historically responded to it? Do you give in to the temptation? Do you reach for the thing? Do you go back around, you know, the whole series of trial and error again? Or do you 
stand with a different response according to the word of God and bear up under it and then step through that and actually grow. Most of our problems in our Christian walk have nothing, have minimal to do with the devil. Minimal. It has to do with your level of maturity. That most people, we just have a, a very immature spiritual reality. We're immature in the things of the word. We don't know the word. How could you possibly be skilled in the word if you're not in the word? Application is the greatest tool you have. Applying yourself to the word. That's just reading the word. But not only applying yourself to the word, applying the word to yourself. Applying what you're reading when you need it. When the wave hits you and you hit that, then you fall into that dark place of despair and you go and you, you know, you spiral and you hit rock bottom and you, whatever it is that you do. It could be for different people. It could be different things. It could be drugs for some. It could be just, just self, it could be alcohol. It could be just, they just anger. It could be self-control, like self-defacing a mindset that they just tear themselves up. They could start, be the person who, who withdraws from the body of Christ. They could just start feeding their mind with trash and garbage. It could be an eating disorder. They just cope with food. What was it? You could deny. Just deny that. That's right. You're not on. That's good. You're not honest with where you're at. You just call it something else and you just deny it and think it'll go away. That's good. That's good. That's good. See, that's again, that's it's a body ministry that we have people who give and supply. Second Corinthians five and seventeen says this. You know it if you don't commit it to memory. That's why I just so I harp so much on memorization of scripture. I do. And I know that some of you say, well, I'm not good at memorization. And you may not be good, but you will never. I wasn't good at lifting weights until I started lifting weights. You know what I mean? I wasn't good at, you know, I, I've started lifting weights and I couldn't even, you know, I had this one exercise where you have to hold a weight up and hold your upper body up and you take your legs and you lower them, keep them straight and lower them all the way down to the ground and you raise them all the way up. I'm telling you, on your stomach, I couldn't do it. I could do one leg partially while the, and I could do the other one, but then my, I mean, I couldn't do it. I could modify it and do it a little. Now I can just do it all day. I couldn't do it until I did it. And then I turned what I couldn't do into what I could do because I started exercising the muscle that hadn't been exercised. That's how memorization works too. 
It is, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If it, yes, thank you. If any man is in Christ, if any man is in Christ, how many people are in Christ this morning? Okay, let's find out the rest. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. When are you a new creation? Are you a new creation right now? Are you becoming a new creation? Sort of. Are you a new creation? Are you becoming a new creation? Ah, ah, you either are or you are. Right, okay. If, that's right. That you, yeah, that's right. So if any man is in Christ, he is. Is, I don't know anything. I don't know much about English, but I know is is a, pre, you know, I is Andrea. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a fact. So if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation right now. Old things have, behold, all things have become new, have already become new. And that's, see, now what is the hang-up with this scripture? What's the hang-up for you with this scripture? No hang-up? Perfect. And so, and so they think about it being a heavenly future reality or maybe somewhere, some, you know, I don't know, in a, in a different version of time. Or they just can't see themselves in this reality right now because their experience is different than what this scripture says. Now, how many of you have ever experienced something different than a new creation? How many of you are honest right now and you are saying that your experience right now is different than a new creation and old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new? Maybe it's in your physical man, your body, your soul. I mean... Mm-hmm. You know you're healed. It's, it's now what the, the battle is, is your experience is present with your symptoms, right? And so you put a lot of confidence in your system, in your, in your symptoms, because we all do, don't we? Because we feel them. Because they're reality. But the Bible says that when Jesus said, it is finished... That by his stripes we, Peter changes it when he quotes, he quotes Isaiah. And he says, by his stripes we were healed. It's already done, but what's not done in you, and you, is you haven't laid a hold. Hold, laid hold of what is already accomplished, and how do you lay hold of it? One thing, by faith. By faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the hope, my hope is in what the Bible already says has already happened in Christ and the evidence of things not seen. It's not in the scene. It's not in the sphere or the realm of my five senses because I still feel symptoms. It's not denying the symptoms and being some sort of a weird liar. But it is saying that may be a fact, but it's not the truth. And changing that, and see now what will happen, what will happen with that is there, the warfare is in resisting the facts and claiming the truth. And so in standing in the truth and not behave, <coughs> excuse me, behaving in agreement with the facts. You're like, well, how do I do that? If I'm sick, do I quit going to the doctor and things? No, not necessarily. <coughs> That is very much a great tool because what you're doing, and it's not some sort of, a, and it's not some sort of a um, uh, psychosomatic, you know, superstitious mantra. It's coming into agreement with what the word says, and shifting your mentality from one of God. If it's your will, how do we know it's already His will? Because it's already done. It is finished. See, that's what, and that's what we're coming into agreement with. And you have to come, in order to come into agreement with what's already done, you have to come out of agreement with the symptoms that you feel. I mean, this is why I've told you. I mean, I've told you about I've had chronic issues with my knee. I had my first knee surgery when I was 15. I had another one when I was in my uh, 20s. And my knee has been an ongoing issue. And it will, it is, I mean, about a few years, in 2020, I went hiking and I hiked 20 miles over the course of two days. And so, and I was, and it just made my, I mean, I thought I was going to, I couldn't get over it. I thought I was going to be crippled this time. I couldn't walk. I woke up all night. I mean, my knee was stiff. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is not going away. And so I just, I would sit in my office with my communion. I've told you all this. I got up. I pull up a picture of a knee on my laptop. I would look at it. I'd have communion. I don't know anything about knees, but I, well, how could I not know anything I wanted to know, right? So I looked at it. I had my communion there, and I have, I know that if I properly discern the Lord's body, that's what the Bible tells me. That um, Paul told the church at um, Corinthians that the reason there were many that were sick among them, and some of them had already fallen asleep or died, is that they did not properly discern the Lord's body. They didn't treat each other right. They didn't properly discern the Lord's body because they didn't treat their brother, their fellow members in the body right. Nor did they, treat, they understand the sacrifice that he had made. And so it, it made a doorway opened in their life to chronic sickness. And sickness leads to what in its full conclusion? Death. It didn't say that they, weren't, that they didn't go to heaven. It just said that they didn't, they didn't possess the fullness of what they needed to because they didn't understand the sacrifice. So I hold my communion cup there. And I know, and I say, you know, on the, on the night you were betrayed, Lord, you took the cup. And after giving thanks, you lifted it up. 
you took the bread, and after giving thanks, you broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. As you eat it, remember me. That by your stripes you were broken, therefore I am whole. And I would look at that picture of my knee, and I would say, I speak to the arterial lateral ligament. Respond to the word of God. Speak to the whatever. I, I just I don't know. I don't have my knee here in front of me. I would call out. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what my, my problem was in my knee. But I knew it's some of those parts in there. And I knew if I spoke to every single one of them, my knee was going to be whole. And then I would go through and I would take the, and I would bite, and I would do the whole, I would take communion. And you're like, did you see it instantly? No, I didn't have to see it instantly. Then I would get down on the ground and I'd say, thank you, Lord, for healing my knee. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't bend my knee all the way. And I would keep on. I would say, Lord, my knee is healed. Knee, respond to the word of God. Respond to the word of God. And I would keep doing that. And I would say, knee, I said, respond to the word of God. Until my knee. And if it, well, you say, well, Andrew, what if it happens again? I will find healing. Do I, do I disagree with doctors? Could I go to the doctor and have them do a knee replacement or something or do something in there? I absolutely could. I absolutely could. But it's expensive. It's a hassle. Right? I don't want to. I don't, you may want to, and that's fine. If you decide, I don't want to do that because I feel as though the healing that the Lord would give my body will be less invasive It'll be more complete, and it will be thorough in all ways. Yes? Double-minded. Let him who is... Right. Right, it does. So it says in the book of James, it says, He who has, is double-minded, he's unstable, and he ought not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. Because he's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So you, you keep moving. So the problem is then, then what, how do we solve double-mindedness? Ah. He said it. Get rid of one of your minds. And that's what you're doing. Now let's go to Romans 12. Let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. New. New creation reality. That's what we all want, right? I know you do. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy what is that word, holy? Spell it for me. Yeah, what is it? W-H. It's not holy as in set apart. It's holy as in complete, right? So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, completely, 
completely acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, old man, but be you transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let's start with proof. How many bread makers do we have in the house? <clears throat> You've ever made bread in your life with yeast? Okay. There you make his bread. Oh. He's got dad jokes, y'all. <laughs> so we have then understand those who have ever made and even if you haven't made yeast bread you understand probably how yeast works you start with yeast and then you put a little bit of warm water in it and you activate it, it blooms because it's a living organism right and then you put in that yeast into your flour and the organisms in the yeast go to work on the flour and it takes time and the right environment because if it's too cold, if you make yeast to bread today and you go stick it outside in 30 degrees, it's not going to rise. It's got to be the right environment, and that yeast will do what it's supposed to do. And what will it do? It's called what, bakers, when you do that? When your dough rises, what's it called? Proving the dough. You're proving it, right? If you, if you, if you did not get a good rise on it, It'll be like, it'll be kind of a dense in there. And, it'll, and they'll say, oh, you didn't let your dough prove. You didn't prove it. So let's go back to the scripture. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we have the will of God. And you see you, maybe you're a whole lump of dough. And then what we do is we put the word of God in you. We put the king, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like leaven, that's yeast, that a man, that a woman puts in, hides into a loaf of bread. And then what does the yeast do? The yeast does what yeast does. It invades every part of that dough. It doesn't, it doesn't take it, it doesn't change the molecular structure and release the glutens in only part of the dough and you have a loaf of bread, could you imagine? And the back part is like, that's really nice and risen and this over here is just, the yeast didn't even make it to it. So it proves the whole thing. That's how the word of God works in your life. When you renew your mind, what you're doing is you're taking the word of God that's living and active, sounds like yeast, doesn't it? The Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's like the Word of God becomes like little bitty yeast, little warriors that have a sword in there. Just imagine that. when you Go home. I commission you all to go make homemade bread. And then it just when you put that yeast in there, you, it's like microscopic little warriors with little swords. And it's going into every cell of that flower. And it's, it's changing the composition of that flower of what it was. And it's, it's, it's invading it with its own force. And the, and the flower has no resistance to it so long as the yeast is living and active.
Now, if you don't put the yeast in the bread, or if your yeast is dead, or if your water's too hot and you kill it and you don't let it bloom, then you're not going to have anything living and active in that bread. It's not going to rise. But if you let it bloom, and that's how you know before you put that yeast in that flour, you're like, that stuff's alive. It will have, it'll be hard. So what we look at, that's what the Word of God does in our life. If you're not putting the Word of God into your life, there's no proving going on. That you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We start at good. I like how Paul does that. <clears throat> he starts at good. How many of y'all like good? And then acceptable. And then he goes, perfect will of God. How many of you want the perfect will of God for your life? You got to get some yeast in your life. See, it's what you're putting in. Garbage in, garbage out. And so we have to have the Word of God and knowing what the Word's doing. Not just reading the Word of God, not just memorizing the Word of God because of some sort of a religious practice, but reading it and knowing, to know that the Word of God is living and active, that it is going to work in your life. I mean, how many of you like to eat good foods? I mean, how many of you, you only eat corn dogs and chicken nuggets and french fries? I mean, because you know, children do because they just don't know what, how food works, do they? But you're old enough now, you know how food works, right? And you know if you put in junk food, if you eat Twinkies 24-7, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna, to, what do you say? You're going to die on the toilet. <laughs> Maybe. I wish you were dead. <laughs> and so we understand that. So, I mean, I just, can't, I, I just can't enforce enough that if you're not engaging in the Word of God, and I will tell you this again, work up. If all you get is one scripture a day, okay, that's a place to start. But it's not a place to stay. I, I, I ask you, how often do you eat? One tater a day? No. Why? Because something inside of you drives you. So, and I will promise you, most of your lack of hunger for the Word of God is your, is your sickness is your spiritual sickness. Because people who are spiritually sick and dying spiritually, just like any person, if you go visit today a nursing home, you'll see people who have grown old, right? And when they, and they will stop eating. Because when they stop eating, it's really sad to see, isn't it? When they stop eating, they stop drinking, they stop having a desire to either eat or drink, you know they're not going to live long. But yet in the body of Christ, I look at people all the time who haven't been eating or drinking 
and either they're already dead and they don't know it, they've never been alive, or they are so spiritually sick that they are that they they're in critical zone and so see that's what we have to we really need to assess that and see where am I alive and we'll we'll talk about later on how to change excuse me the condition of our health in our spirit man through something that a lot of people don't like to talk about but it's spiritual disciplines through doing things by discipline that create desire. But if you wait for desire, you probably will never get it. Because you desire, you do what you desire to do. So it's really good for you to look honestly in your life and see what you do by desire. And then you will only then, see now you're on the other, <coughs> excuse me, you're on the other side of this, right? That you had to start somewhere. And when you started, it was a discipline, right? And I started with an app. So I knew I was going to read one scripture a day, you know, and then I started reading my Bible a prayer in the morning. You know, maybe instead of just reading one verse, I would read two chapters a day. And then, you know, you continue to do that, and then you got into the habit of studying. And you were forced to study. And so now it's no longer a discipline, is it? It's a it turned into a desire. So what she did is she exchanged an old life for a new way of life. See, if you're not making that exchange, you think that's going to happen naturally? There is a supernatural aspect to it, but it's not just going to... See, that's the being not conformed. You had to take a discipline and not conform to the pattern of this world. Because the patterns of this world say you're busy, you don't have time, you can't do that, there's more things, you don't understand this, you've got house payments, car payments, kids, sports, jobs, work, you know, everything. And you say, I can't do it. But if you're not doing it, you're dying. You are presently dying. And that's, and that's hard to say, isn't it? But it's just a reality that we all have to come into, the, rea- into, the, into the, the fact of. And then we have to look at our life honestly. Now, when we start talking about the body, soul, and spirit, I want, I want to just, I, want to re- I found this online, and this is so interesting to me. I just want to read little bits of this. This is a secular article, but in the, in the arena of brain science, it's a very new field. For years, brain science was that the brain was set at a certain age, generally 30. That was, that was the belief that when you, by the time you're 30, you're set. Whoever you are, you are, and it can't be changed. That was what medicine said. And that people, this is the medical science was, and that people who had traumatic brain injuries that the brain was just the brain and that now is set and you just had to cope with whatever it was. But in the past, I'm going to say especially 30 years, and now that's new with regard to science, right? They have 
neuroscience has come so far. And now it is, it is the thought that your brain is set is, is like the same as drilling holes in people's heads. You know, they used to do that to relieve pressure just on, you know, on a regular. Or how about bleeding with leeches? You know what I mean? Like if you were sick, come in and we're going to stick some leeches on you or we're going to cut your wrist and bleed out the back. That used to be a medical treatment. So in the arena of neuroscience that your brain is just stuck, that is as, in the same league as basically bleeding a person for health. Now this brain science is, is what we call, there's, the brain has neuroplasticity. How many of y'all ever heard that term? neuroplasticity that means just think plastic basically the brain is plastic so what can plastic what can you do with plastic you can form it and so now we understand now your brain is an organ in your head right how many y'all know that y'all all know that y'all have no problem with that but your mind point to your mind for me <laughs> so you're your mind or um, the inner you, yeah. it's not your brain, is it? But it uses your brain. Ah, oh, that's your computer part. And so what we understand is our mind, the Bible says, how about y'all go to, um, y'all, I will have you look at this. Let me find it real quick. Second um, Corinthians, no, that's 517. Oh, 2 Corinthians 2, 16. Second Corinthians two. How many? Who has that for me? And can two sixteen? Who who has that for me? Nope, that's not right. First Corinthians two sixteen. Did I give it to you wrong? Sorry, my bad. First Corinthians two sixteen. I mean. But who has, say it with me. But who has understood the mind of the Lord so we could instruct him? Now, he's, Paul there is quoting Isaiah 40. He's quoting Isaiah 40. But then he goes, because in Isaiah 40, y'all can read that in your own time. We may study it. It's really a great study. Isaiah 40 says that basically it says over and over again, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God? It's, it's, a, it's basically God is speaking through the prophet saying of how much higher God's ways are than our ways. How much more, how, I mean, that, that God create all the systems we see, God created the systems. So he's obviously greater than the systems. And, and so he's questioning there. Paul is using Isaiah and says, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? How many of you, how, who, who instructed the Lord on how to create the cosmos? Who instructed him? No one. So that's the question. How could you possibly instruct the Lord? So 
in an Old Testament reality, they're like, who could possibly know God? He's so distant from us. He's so far removed from us. How could we ever lay hold of the knowledge of God? But then what does Paul say? But we have the mind of Christ. Where do you have the mind of Christ? In your born again newly created spirit but that's like the place where the yeast is at and you've got to figure out how to move the yeast through the dough in the area of your soul your mind your will and your emotions and in then in the area of your body your feelings and the house <clears throat> and all the things. So when you're born again, in your spirit is completely born again. You're new. And you have the mind of Christ. But you don't know how to operate with that mind. Because you, first off, it's new. It's new equipment. I don't know the, I don't have this manual down pat. You do know a manual. And that's the one you operate by. And so if you're not engaging right here, you will never bring the realities of maturity into your life. And you'll just be so confused and just ignorant of spiritual things. I, I mean, how did Dennis get up and give you that word on Sunday morning? The mind of Christ took from the spirit realm. It's in the mind of Christ was in Dennis's spirit. And then when Dennis, who has years of practicing listening to the spirit, when the spirit started speaking, he recognized the voice of the Spirit and the mind of Christ and he could differentiate between his own mind and the mind of Christ. And you're like, tell me how to do that. I can tell you how to do it, but you'll never understand it until you actually start doing it. And so when he stopped and said, I've got a word for you, stand up. He lifted up his head as a gate and on earth, he released a word to you from another realm that came to him and through him to you. Faith was released and it unlocked another person over here. It aligned things. And you're like, well, that would have already happened because it could. It could mm -mm. Because how many of you know God lives outside of time? So... Yeah, he didn't wear a watch. So what could happen? You're like, well, the time in that, that man had already heard that conversation or he hadn't or what, it doesn't matter. I'm learning this. It doesn't matter that when you engaged in faith, God can move easily outside of time and change something in the past so that it catches up with your future. And he can just stand back and watch it. See, when I was, I'll show you how this works. Um, years ago, Lainey was in kindergarten. That tells you how long ago it was. We lived in Bowie, and we were in between churches. We had not gone to Hot Springs yet. And 
I had $12 in the account. $12. We'd already paid our tithe. We had $12. And this had to, I had to find a way to get Laney's lunch. I had to have enough stuff. You know, there's lunch stuff is different than the, you know what I mean? You sandwich bread, you got to have things for lunch. And then also, other problem, I had to have enough gas in Mike's car for him to get to work, which was an hour away and an hour back. Now, this is a different time, so, but it's still, yeah, yeah, so it could have been a dollar a gallon at the time, but see what I'm saying? But it's still $12. It was going to be just like, it, it was not going to really make it, but if I, if I just stood on one leg and held things and, you know, convinced her that she wasn't going to eat peanut butter, she didn't like it, but I could, you know, I could find something that she would eat and I could get everything and keep it all together and $12, and I went to church that night, Sunday night, and this, and Mike gets paid on Friday. And we have $12. Lunch and gas are my two obstacles. Teen challenges at the church where we're at. The Lord speaks to me. He says, write a check for $5. And the Lord said this, you can struggle with $12 or you can trust me by giving the 5 I just went, I wrote a check. That's how I wrote it. Five, I mean, five sounds like, you know what I mean? Five dollars. Five dollars. Andrea Sanders. Rip. And I, I put it, I remember putting it in the offering bucket and I went, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, and I'm just this way. I'm a, I'm a person who's always getting another plan in place. Well, okay, let's just say God doesn't come through. You know, you're like, Andrew, where's your faith? I mean, my faith is not even perfect. But my action proved louder than even my imperfect faith. See, action, you got to get some action. Sometimes y'all, you think, you, you're thinking you're saying things and that's heavier than your actions. It's not. Get the actions. You can say quite a bit of things that are contrary to your actions, but your actions always weighted heavier. Right, actions are... That's right. <laughs> Actions are weighted heavier. And so anyway, I did that. And you're like, well, what happened? What happened? Okay, Monday rolls around. I, I get up and I walk to the, the mailbox. And in the mailbox is a check for $200. Somebody mailed to us. Now, how many of you already know? In order to get a check on Monday, what, when did it have to be mailed? So you're, I could say, I could say, you know what? I, if I hadn't even given the $5, that check would have still been there. I believe when I gave the $5, the Lord went back in time, and he went, hey, go ahead and send them $200. And see, that's how the Lord moves on the timeline, changing your future. So that you can, see, that's amazing to me. That's how the Lord works. But it takes your obedience. And obedience is not a concept. Obedience is an action. And that didn't end there. You think $200 would have been, that's a great return on $5 investment, isn't it? Mike called after I got the $200. I'm like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm rescued. She can eat good. I can pay for her to eat in the cafeteria now. I mean, she can have chicken nuggets. That's right. I mean, I can take her Happy Meals all week. So what happened was then Mike called. He said, you'll never believe what happened. We got a rush job in 
and I got the job, and I get, on Friday, a $500 bonus on my check. So $5 in less than 24 hours' time turned into $700. I can't just, I, I mean, I can't, and that's just, that's just one little tiny thing. But that's how the Lord works in our life. He, he's, not, he's not subject to your timeline. So when we operate in faith, we start releasing things from the supernatural into our life. But how did I give that $5? I had the mind of Christ. And now I was, my mind was I could do this and I can follow this and I can get, okay, I can put $5 worth of gas in. I can go to the grocery store and that's going to last. And then on the day he's going to be out of gas, but he's going to get paid that day. I can float a check because it's back in the day. You could float a check. I knew that. I knew that I could write a check on Wednesday. Y'all know, y'all all, you, y'all all know this. On Wednesday, I could write, he could get gas in Gainesville, which is an hour away, and they could get gas and write a full tank of gas or $10, right? And I could float that check until I could get money in there to catch it. Y'all are all old school with me. Lainey's like, Lainey's like, ah, look at her. <laughs> She's like, that's, <laughs> yeah. No, you could float a check. How many of you, when they started holding your check and they wouldn't fund your check for a few days to make sure that it was good and you'd already floated all your checks, that was, yeah, that was bad news. Mm-hmm. I know. I know, it's no more floating checks. So I just say all of this, that the Lord, the mind of Christ was, see, when I was in that service, I had my mind. My natural, my conformed mind. Conformed to the world, I knew how to float checks, I knew how to strategize and get it done. Would I have survived? I would have survived with $12. I would have survived with my way of thinking. I would have floated a check, I would have got it done. But I couldn't get it done with $7. Right. So I couldn't. So as long as I stayed in my mind, working my methods, I wouldn't be flourishing. But I'd be surviving. I'd be okay. And I might be, I might be better than okay sometimes. But see, then when I, but when the Lord said, give the $5, then I had to, all of a sudden, I had to step into the mind of Christ. You see how that's a different way of processing, isn't it? And it takes faith because I had to step out and I had to lose control of my ability. So I wrote the $5 check in obedience with the mind of Christ. And when I released that, then that released all of that. But I would have never known the release of the 700 without the release of the five. And I wonder how many of us in here today, you've never known the release of the supernatural because you've never actually walked in obedience. You've never actually listened to the logic of the spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? The logic of the spirit. Was a $5 offering logical or illogical? 
It was illogical in the natural, but it was logical in Christ, in the spirit realm. And it showed the Lord that I was, what I did is I became a person who focused on one mind and I shut down the other. And so that's how this works. And it took a real concrete action, didn't it? But it was only $5. Seven hundred. That's true. I never even thought of that. And how fast did I reap it? And see, and sometimes the speed of sometimes there's a speed of seed. But he released it at the speed of light. And so that is amazing to me. And so, see, I think so many times in our life we settle for conformity. We settle for ordinary. We settle for floating checks and scraping by. Because we don't obey. Because obedience doesn't make sense. And I'm not talking about giving. That was just my experience with a $5 offering. And I've had so many other. And see, that, that, was, that was so minimal. That was so minimal for me. It was just a building block. And the Lord used that to show me I'm faithful. And so when bigger things happened, I was ready. Did you want to say something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's good. <clears throat> the Lord is the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. That's good. So as we look at this, we understand that the Lord in our obedience, when we operate in the mind of Christ, we can see great things accomplished in our own life. But if we don't obey, if we don't operate, if we just use our own natural mind and we live in disobedience. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, obedience is hard when it's hard. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But, I mean, I've told you this so many times. And when is it hard? When it goes against what you want to do. Right? But that's when it counts. That's when it really counts. Now, as we. 
Yes. Yes. And obedience is a posture of humility, isn't it? And, and pride and disobedience is a posture of pride. And we have to realize that. As we get deeper into this study, what we're going to talk about, I didn't get into it today, but and we'll close with this. I'm going to talk to you all about your mind. You have two parts of your mind. How many of you know that? The, the upper part of your mind is your conscious mind, and you have your subconscious mind. Do you know what's interesting about your subconscious mind? That it stores 100% of every memory, every memory, everything that you do through the day, your subconscious mind stores it with 98 to 99% accuracy. And, they, and so what happens is that's why people, I don't recommend it because I think it's pretty dangerous unless you really or trust someone. But hypnosis, people can go into hypnosis and they can unlock the subconscious mind and they can remember something that happened way back into their childhood with perfect clarity. Because it's in there. And see now, some things about the subconscious mind is, this is, your subconscious mind is like a computer program. Your subconscious mind is always working in the background, but you're not necessarily aware of it. Sometimes called the unconscious mind, your subconscious mind contains all the stored information of everything you have ever experienced. Because of this, it influences how you react to things, such as why you are shy, lazy, eat too much, or have an addiction. On the positive side, your subconscious mind also affects things like why you are motivated, confident, successful, cheerful, hopeful, and so on. The key to using your subconscious for a positive results is to <clears throat> repossess it through the Spirit's power. Repossess your subconscious mind. And what do I mean by that? Take is to reprogram your subconscious mind. So to influence your subconscious thoughts. Learning how to use the two together is a powerful tool. See, because you have all of this stored. In, God made us this way. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, that you take your mind by the, how do you change your life? You, you renew your mind. See, that has to do with your conscious and your subconscious. In your subconscious is where your heritage, your history, and your habits are at. And see, your subconscious mind, how it works is, it's like a computer program. Because of how you have been raised and how all the choices you've made in your life, what it does is it tells your body, it keeps your body at 98.6. Did you know that? Your subconscious mind does that. It creates, it constantly is keeping you balanced all the time. It is working to create what it calls, what, what, we, what scientists call homeostasis. Homeostasis is perfect harmony, everything in alignment. But see, if your subconscious mind tells you that this is normal, even if it's abnormal, but it's the way you've always done something, but it's normal to you, and you try to change something, you try to change an abnormal behavior into a healthy, normal behavior, but it's always been that way for you, you're, it, it'll, be, it'll, create, it'll wreak havoc in your life. Because you have told your subconscious mind what normal is. Through your childhood, through all of your experiences, through everything, it has created your personality and the way you perceive things. See, that's what the Word of God is doing. It is going into the places, unlocking your very subconscious parts of you and reprogramming who you are from the ground up. So you don't have to continually struggle with double-mindedness. 
you now have worked a new program in your life to the point that when you look back over who you used to be, how many of you have had this experience? You look back at the, the way you used to think. You remember that old guy. You remember him, but you, but you can't comprehend him anymore. You know what I'm, do you all know what I'm talking about? You can't comprehend why he behaved that way anymore. Why would he act that way? But see, because you are that's that's the power of the spirit reworking who you are from the very subconscious area. So the whole point is is to have that subconscious part of who you are that's working that program. That's how disciplines are turned into desires through creating new habits to where you don't have to work on it anymore. You know what I mean? When you're trying to start a new habit, you're working on it all the time. It's like work, it's like work, and then you do it long enough. What happens is you reprogram your subconscious, and then you just kind of go on autopilot. It becomes normal to you. You've used the power of habit in your life to create a new normal by the renewing of your mind. That's how... That's how this works. So we'll learn how to hopefully, and this is not this. This is according to the Word of God. What's funny is, neuro, is neuroscience has now started to discover what the Bible's always known all along: is that you can change your mind. You can form new pathways of thought. You can you can undo old habitual destructive thought patterns in your life. You can, and it's how your brain works. It, it works. It rewires. It rewires. It fires and rewires new pathways in your brain. Most of our defeated thinking is just an old pathway of thinking that we've not done the rewiring through the Word of God. So as we continue this series, we will be talking about body, soul, and spirit. And having the spirit man begin to reprogram our whole man so that we can live and prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amen. Thank you.